Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Right in the middle of election season in Baton Rouge and across Louisiana, election day is this Saturday as this show drops, where Louisiana will be sending two men into the runoff to replace Bobby Jindal as governor of the state. And there's a list of other statewide elections up and down the ballot, all happening Saturday, in addition to some regional elections and some local elections going on as well. Glad to have you back, folks. Clay Young here on Podcast225.com and on iTunes and on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. You can download that app, especially if you are a non-Apple user and listen to the show there. Or, of course, you can go to the website, podcast225.com, and listen to us right there. Always glad to hear from you. Picking up new miss. Let's try that again. Picking up new listeners and having many of you who find us actually shooting me an email or messaging me on Facebook about it. I appreciate it, and I try to reply to everyone. Our guest this week is John Cuvion who we told you a few weeks ago, he was on actually last month, and we said we would talk about the election cycle, and we go into into that. We kind of give some predictions about some things and then kind of voice our lack of knowing where other things will fall in a pretty good conversation with John and I that we actually recorded yesterday, and you will hear the body of that in just a moment. So many things going on right now, Uh, so many things I want to get to before we get to John. First up, special thanks to the folks at Folds of Honor. There was uh, a gala on this past weekend, as you listen to this, raising money for an organization that benefits military veterans. Uh, I, along with Gordy Rush, had the opportunity to emcee that event. There was a silent auction there as well. Enjoyed that, actually participated in that, and won something at that. But you, everybody wins. You win an item, and you give them money, and that works. It's a reputable organization, and I think that it was it was a great opportunity to be a, a part of that. I know a lot of the guys who are who are members and who help with the organization. In fact, John and David Fabry. Owner of owners of Infinity of Baton Rouge and Lafayette, Acura of Baton Rouge, and Subaru of Baton Rouge. They have been sponsors of this event for the last five years. So there is a very good reason to spend money with those guys because they give back, especially to the men and women who defend our country on a daily basis. Some of the stories at this thing, I mean, man, it could make you emotional. Children. And spouses of people who have gone into the Middle East into war and have not come home. Some from here. There was one little girl who got up to talk and, you know, there was barely a dry eye in the entire place. One wife talked about her husband who lost his life in this war on terror, fighting against these douchebags over there. And she was inspiring as well. So it was really, really good to be a part of an event like that. And man, maybe the biggest flag I've ever seen up close. Here in Baton Rouge, there are a couple of car dealerships that have like massive American flags flying above their car lots. On this stage, there was a flag there. That flag must have been 12 feet wide by 
10 feet tall. It was unbelievably gorgeous. I wish I had a place to put it here at my office, uh, but I don't. But it's gorgeous. And it was great to, to see that and you know, really talk to some of the people who were in the place for that event. And I hope to be a part of it again next year. There was a golf tournament the next day at the University Club in Baton Rouge. And uh, it, it was really very good. I, I didn't play uh, because, A, I suck. And, B, I didn't have the time. I got to get better at that. But, you know, to get good at golf, you got to go do it. And I just, I need to make the time. My buddy Frank Gumpert, who's, you know, the guy at University Club, has offered to kind of get out there with me and knock a few around. And I think I'm going to take it up on it, take him up on it, especially since the weather has changed a lot. And so that was good. That was the good. Uh, on Monday, there was another debate, uh, gubernatorial debate, where three of the four major candidates showed up. Senator David Vitter no-showed this debate. It is clear that he's going to avoid these hoping to make it into the runoff, likely against John Bell Edwards. But who knows what's going to happen on Saturday? That is chalk. That's conventional wisdom. But who knows what's going to happen on Saturday? That was interesting. I watched it. No real news made in that debate. Some of the questions were pretty similar to ones that I have heard before. And we'll see what the voters of Louisiana think on Saturday. I got to tell you something, though, just on a separate note. I have never encountered more a-holes, just period. And I don't know, maybe, you know, you get older and you just, you lose patience with people. But what the hell is wrong with people nowadays? I mean, from the idiots and the the weaklings who take it upon themselves to kill people in society because they've got some social issue, whether it being they can't get a date, they lost a job, or they feel like a victim and they take a gun out and shoot people, or just to the common average everyday a-holes that we encounter on a daily basis. It's like, what the hell is wrong with people? And, you know, then, and then you run into these big nobodies who walk around acting like they're the king. And I just, I don't know. You know, it's, 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 it is more frustrating now. Maybe it's just a sign of age and getting more abrasive as it relates to this. Whatever happened to people treating each other with decency? You know, nobody's perfect, but at least make an effort not to be a, a butt puppet, right? Make an effort not to be a clown. Try that for a change. You go into restaurants and you watch people in restaurants treat wait staffs, uh, members of the wait staff, like they're slaves. How about saying thank you when somebody brings you your freaking water? Or, or, or how about leaving tips for these people who basically work for tips? Or jackoffs in traffic who sit at, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable now. And it's the end of the year, which is kind of the time of the year that I get like that anyway, but it's more and more you run into it where you just don't want to be around people. And it makes you so cynical about society, right? And then when you run into people who are polite, who are, you know, they, they notice you, they're courteous. It's, it's such a pleasant surprise. I heard Scott Van Pelt, one of the ESPN personalities, one time say that he's like a mirror, right? He is to you the way you are to him. And that's interesting because you almost have to be that way nowadays. And we wonder why children all over our society act like such little clowns. It's because they grow up in houses that ought to be big tents because they've got clowns in the house.
They don't know how to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Everything is now and can I have. And I'm pretty blessed that I didn't have to deal with that because my kids understood nothing in life is free. Nothing in life is free. You got to earn it. And I do think we need to get back to kind of teaching kids that. And again, nobody's perfect. Nobody gets it right every day. All of us make mistakes. But goodness gracious, man, it's this narcissism that has infected so much of society. And it's like, well, what is wrong with people? I don't know. Just me. Sorry about that. Just I just had to rant about it because you run into it so much nowadays. And, and, you know, there was a time where you can have an argument with a person and then that's the end of it. Now, with some of these fools in society, you got to be careful who you have an argument with. Because some douchebag might go get a gun and come back and want to shoot at you. I don't know. And it's, it's reflected in our politics. We rarely get to, in debates and in forums, get to hear about real issues, problems facing cities and states and the federal government. Because they break down into name calling. It's like, who the hell cares about that? Can you do the job? Can you run the agency or the city or the state that you're running for? Can you be some regional leader? And it's just a big gotcha game. It's like kids on a playground. And that's why everything is in the friggin' toilet now. Because so many people running for office aren't interested in doing the job. They're interested in making you think they're doing the job so you'll give them another four years. And then they leave and nothing's changed. Nothing's better. Jindal's going around the nation telling people he saved Louisiana. To hell you say. Saved Louisiana? Come on, man. Stealing that from the ESPN guys. Anyway, I can go on and on about that, but I'm sure you didn't tune into the show this week to hear me rant about all of that. I'm just saying, what happened to common sense? Getting out of the taxpayer's pocket, creating the kind of government that's responsible, passing policies that make it easy to open a business so that people can actually get jobs and earn their own living, keeping communities safe. We debate everything. Like, look, I'm not a fan of constantly building prisons, but let's tell the truth. Some people belong in cages. People who will shoot at, stab, molest, rape, assault people. You're a monster. You belong in a cage. Now, there are maybe cases where people can be rehabilitated, but we're going to rehabilitate your behind from behind a cage. Not everybody belongs out on the streets walking among civilized people. Some people have gone far beyond the level of being able to reach them. I know that's a shame and it's hard to say that, but it's the truth. It is the truth. And again, nobody's perfect. But there are things in society that happen that we just shouldn't put up with. You know what I mean? We just should not put up with them. Just one man's take. I promise I'll keep the ending shorter than this. Anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at Clay Young BR or on Facebook. 
search me out there, Clay Young. We always post about the guests on the show, and we appreciate the feedback we get. <sighs> that felt good. <laughs> John Cuvion is up next to talk about the elections taking place this weekend. Back in 30 seconds. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. As promised, pollster, political insider, guru, someone who pays way too much attention to this crap (laughs) like I do, John Cuvion with JMC Enterprises is here. So here we are now. And the days leading up to the election, yes, uh, we've got all of the the results are going to be told in the big race. Uh, you know, we're going to know who's going to be in the runoff in the big race. We've got a bunch of races, like in the case of Bessie, that'll be over with this weekend. Right. A few legislative races that'll be over with this weekend. But first, let's start with early voting. Your impression of how that went and some of the early numbers that you're getting back. So one of the things I've mentioned last time I was on this show was that early voting was going to be one of the kind of metrics I was going to look at, mm-hmm. kind of as proof to either proof or disproof of what my suspicion had been about the level of interest in this race. Right. And it's not super impressive. In other words, it's down approximately 6% from what it was in the 2014 Senate race. Right. You don't really have really high Democratic intensity. So at this point, I think of turnout, and I've always been guilty, by the way, of being a Pollyanna when it comes to turnout estimates. Not me. So the 44 to 54% that has been bounced around in several news publications, mm-hmm. my gut tells me it's really going to be more like 40% or yeah. perhaps even 37 that it was in 2011. I think 35 to 40% is where I am. Okay. Tom Shedler said to me, I think I said this to you a few weeks ago, that he thinks it's going to be near 50%. I can't really Won't see happen. that being the case. And around these parts, these parts being the middle of the state, uh, the, the capital region, the weather is not going to be, or at least it's not forecast right. to be ideal for being outside, which does unfortunately have an impact on the way people vote. It shouldn't really matter, but it does. Especially if you're on the fence of trying to make up your mind and you see the weather really bad. It's like, do I really want to put up with this when mm-hmm. there's a good football game I could watch at home? That you know, Those kinds of considerations are at play. So you're saying 6% down in early voting is, you know, it's something... I, I spoke with, I didn't get a chance to early vote because of travel. Yeah. And I heard from people that early on in the week, lines were long. Hmm. Closer you got to the end of the week, you couldn't find anybody. Interesting. And I guess that was really a case of where you went. Yes. Because there were certain early voting locations and you weren't going to your precinct to early vote. Uh, because of the way the Secretary of State has that has that set up. Right. And you know, the interesting thing about that, so we're fortunate here in East Baton Rouge Parish and that we have four locations, mm-hmm. which is more than any other parish in the state. Right. But more specifically, towards your comment about the level of involvement or people voting, so I went on Saturday the first day. Mm-hmm. 
this is the first time ever I've been able to get a parking spot two from the front. <laughs> so, and, and that's my metric as to how you know, yeah. crowded early voting is. If I have to park across the street at the Lasers building, that's bad. Yeah. Even worse, if there's a line snaking out the door, that's yeah. worse in terms of crowds. But not only did I get great parking, but the moment that they gave me my card to go vote, normally you have to wait a few seconds for a machine. Yeah. I had three machines immediately available. So yeah. it just the, the excitement just wasn't there. I've seen it like that before with some races going in. And fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> they know me when I come in. <laughs> and so I before I ask, I'll be told by someone, it's a light day or boy, it's been a busy day. And sometimes you go there, nobody's there. I mean, right. I've actually gone in and there's no waiting. You walk right in, you know, you, you, you sign, you show them your ID, you go vote, you're out of there in three minutes. Right. I suspect that could be the case for a lot of places around Louisiana this Saturday. Yes, especially if you're talking about some of these rural precincts where mm-hmm. let's say you have a couple hundred voters. Yeah. You throw in a 30% turnout with a couple hundred voters. That's some very bored commissioners. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So let's 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 talk about the the rundown. Yes. Let's go to the top of the ticket, the race for governor, which has been intriguing uh, because of the lack of attention paid to this by the public. Right. The apathy level has been through the roof, don't you think? It has, and you know the thing that amazes me is how people are still undecided at this point. My suspicion by now is that a lot of those people who are hiding behind undecided truly aren't going to vote. I just had that conversation not 10 minutes ago. It's between 20 and 30 percent undecided, depending on who you ask. I've seen up to 50 in legislative races. Right. It's bad. I I think people have a don't care attitude. And I want to throw at you my philosophy about why I think that is. Okay. I think that people have tuned out from the political process because we had a year's worth of it last year. To some extent, yes. And well, the, you had the Senate race, which was a almost. Two year race. Which was, yeah. And, and you had the congressional races going on. And I think we roll into the start of the year, and nationally, everybody's talking about the presidential elections. And there was never a break from it. Right. And we, we went through a year of political ads, or basically the last five months of the year, last year, heavy political ads coming into this year. I think people are kind of punch drunk from the politics and they're turning away from it. I th- and I think too, that you don't really have any exciting candidates running for governor, like no polarizing figures, no personality. Well, there may be a polarizing figure well, in the race, depending on who stay, you let's ask. Stick, stick with the personalities. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here it is. You've got the four major candidates because unbeknownst to many people, there are more than four people running, but they're only yes, <laughs> technically. Yes. But there are four major candidates, the three Republicans and the one Democrat and chalk right now has chalk being conventional wisdom has a governor, uh, uh, Senator Vitter, number one, likely with John Bill Edwards, the number two, because he's a lone Democrat. Right. The numbers are shifting around. What are you seeing? Something totally different. Mm-hmm. I was the canary in the coal mine when I published that poll several weeks ago that Nexstar picked, picked up. Yeah. So in that race, way back when, several weeks ago, in an election several weeks is an eternity, in that poll it showed John Bell Edwards ahead of David Vitter 28 to 19. Yeah. Now, I can tell you since then I've been doing some polls where the governor's race statewide has been one of the questions. What I've seen happened is John Bell has shot up to the mid-30s, yeah. and he's about settling there right now because the RGA ads, while they're not that good, they are letting Republican voters know that, hey, John Bell Edwards is, in fact, a Democrat. Mm-hmm. 
So I think John Bell personally is going to settle in the 35 to 40% range. Senator Vitter's the interesting one. To me, a front runner like him should be steadily rising in the polls. And he's been steadily dropping. And so what I've seen, mentally, if one were to believe his campaign, mentally he should be near upper 30s, low 40s to make him the dominant player in the runoff. Instead, I'm seeing him struggling to get out of 30%. Yeah, yeah, I I find that to be the case as well. And it's interesting because Louisiana has gone conservative heavily over the last three to four years. Actually, I think the state wasn't nearly as conservative four years ago when we had statewide elections as it is now. It's been increasing in intensity. A lot of that is driven by people's perception of Washington, D.C. That's been that's been uh, my you know, my view of what's going on. So here you have a senator whose conservative bona fides are unquestionable based upon the way he votes in Washington. Right. Who is struggling to get an overwhelming majority of votes or support from a clearly conservative state of the 2.8 million registered voters, 60 percent of them are probably conservative or lean that way with about 900,000 of them being black and then another hundred and change being other minority. Yes. I wonder though, if the fall that he is under right now doesn't, or or if the 24th doesn't catch him before there is any consequential drop that would keep him out of the runoff. He'll make the runoff. Right. Here's, here's the thing too. And this is, this is a John Cuvion political truism Basically, if you're going to attack somebody, by the last week, I think people have gotten jaded enough to where they automatically tune them out. Right. So in other words, the almost bombshell that was detonated Saturday afternoon and had to be quickly retracted by, Clay, by Clancy Dubose down mm-hmm. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Well, that, Tell people what that is. So in other words, there was a bombshell that was released about some footage from one of the prostitutes that alleged Senator Vitter had allegedly had an affair with where there was talk of a pregnancy, an abortion, he, his paying her money and so forth. The problem with that story was you're talking about credibility of the witness. Mm-hmm. And so enough of those inconsistencies in her story came out to where it had to get pulled a day later, which to me was a bit of journalistic malpractice, almost like the Mary Mapes story a decade ago. where Oh, with Dan, Dan Rather. Rather. Yeah. And that pretty much blew Dan Rather's career up. No question. Blew him out of the water. And, you know, CBS has since there was just a there's a, a book. No, a movie coming out about that, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And CBS has basically called it drivel, saying, we, we are the authority on what happened. They worked for us, and we're telling you they screwed up. Right. But, you know, that's another, that's another subject. So conventional wisdom says Vitter, Bell Edwards. Yes. In a runoff. Yes. But no one is willing to say that's a guarantee. Well, let me let me give you a different perspective because I don't do conventional wisdom. I do data. That, that's why people pay me. I mean, if I were, if I, I like were, that line, Kuvion. I'm going to steal it. As what? a buddy of mine says, I'll give you credit five times, and then after that, it's mine. Well, well, with all due respect, Clay, if I wanted to do spin, I would have your job. But no, I, I, I stick hey, to data. Hey, I, I do a watch terrible. Watch it, Kuvion. I, do I ter- don't do spin. I get paid for data too, big guy. <laughs> no, well, with all due respect, yeah. I, I do data. I yeah. don't, you know. You, sure. your, your job is to provide public relations services mm-hmm. for clients who are willing to pay. Sure. There you go. I said it. Now, the clients who are willing to pay? Yes. Well, what are they giving you? Dinners? 
They're paying you too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Can gonna... we get to the point you were going to make, Kuvion? Yes. So in other words, I don't do conventional wisdom. Sure. I, I look at what my polls say. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing is that Darden has never grown an iota. Nor, and in fact, in my a poll I did last week, he slipped a point. Hmm. So he has zero chance of making the runoff, in my opinion. Then we get to Scott on shell. Scott did very well in the summer. Okay. But he peaked around mid-September when David Vitter started blasting him for everything under the sun. Yeah. Well, he started to pick up again. The problem is the election is not November 21st. So it's October 24th. Yeah. So a candidate can leapfrog a certain amount in one week. I don't think it's 10 to 15 percentage points, however. Hmm. Therein lies what I think is Angel's problem is that, you know, he got beaten down so badly and did not respond appropriately to the Vitter attacks that it did cost him. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think that I hear what you're saying about data and all of that, but I just, I don't know. With, with the percentage of undecideds being as high as it is. Now, I'm not saying that you're wrong in terms of the order of how they fall. Right. I just... I'm not ready to say that anything that we see is the way that it'll be at the end of the night on the 24th, because I don't know how conservative women, Republican women and conservative voting Democratic women are going to vote in that race. I think that, you know, Vitter's best chance is to get a to get a clear percentage is in the primary, because I think in the runoff, everything is up for grabs. It gets tougher. And the number of voters who will stay home and the number of Republicans who will vote for the Democrat will be a bigger number than people are people are thinking. And that's the that's the story I've been hearing out on the street is that I've been talking to political operatives around the state. Yeah. And they're telling me that they're Republican voters who are displaying an interest in John Bell Edwards, which certainly would not have happened in the Landry race last year. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It'll be interesting to see how how this all unfolds. I don't know what's going to happen. I think. If if I had to, if I had to definitely tell you where I think things are leaning, obviously, it would be a Vitter, John Bell Edwards runoff. Yes. But I think the unknown in this is how many people answered polls data to you and mm-hmm. they lied to you. Which could happen in any poll, actually. Well, not, I mean you, I mean people who do what you do. In general, pollsters. People lie to pollsters all the time, especially when they freaking call you at 6.30 during dinner. But that's another subject for another day. Happens. And then the undecided voters, where do they go? John Bell Edwards may be the surest bet for the runoff because he's the only Democrat. Right. And the negatives on him are not terribly high. Right. Outside of that, we don't know what we know. Right. So let's move down the ticket. Okay. Lieutenant governor's race. Now you're working with, you've done some polling for one of the candidates Correct. in this race. So let's just kind of stick to the way that it's looking so right I, down the middle. The generality I'll give on that is that I think Kip Holden's going to make the runoff. You it's, think so? I do. Huh. It's you, you have enough of a democratic vote in Louisiana to where they'll see that D on election yeah, day and vote for him. Yes. So likely Kip and John Young. It's going to be Kip and one of the two Republicans. <laughs> Either John Young or Billy Nungas, or they're certainly spending a lot of money, you know, 
let's just say defining each each other's yeah. record. Yeah. And so that's that's about as far as I'll go on the other half of the projected well, runoff ticket. But I, it will I, go into runoff. I will just say for me, it looks like John Young is the favorite, and that that's just yeah. my per, my perception of what's going on. He's the favorite. I hear what you're saying about Kip, and it's interesting because he's barely raised any money at all. And he has the good luck, however, not only of being the only Democrat in the race, yeah. but also. Being that East Baton Rouge Parish is the epicenter of the Baton Rouge media market, mm-hmm. which is 20% of the state's voters, that's a very nice place to be in. Right, right. In other words, he gets continuous television coverage. I agree. Uh, Secretary of State, I think Tom Shedler He's will win. Yes. Uh, let's see. Well, not Kennedy. Uh, Attorney General. Attorney General. I would probably say Buddy Caldwell is going to win. Yes. Where that one's going to get interesting is going to be the degree to which there's some partisan cohesion amongst the Democrats. Yeah. In other words, you have two black Democrats who are running. Mm-hmm. The question is, will you have partisan cohesion in the like you do in the governor and lieutenant governor's race? Mm-hmm. Or is Buddy going to take half the Democratic vote? If Buddy takes half the Democratic vote, he wins without a runoff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a possibility. It's it's an outside possibility. Yes. What do you think about the legislature? Where, where will it be Democrat versus Republican in the in January, not a lot of change. The Senate, I'm projecting, it's going to be a wash because what's going to happen is, Elbert Gilry's seat. As much as the Republicans were excited about picking that one up, mm-hmm. it was a very heavily Democratic seat to begin with. Yes, and so uh, State Representative Ladrika Terry or Gerald Boudreaux, either either one of those two Democrats, they're going to win. So that's a yeah. that's a net loss of one for the Republicans. Yeah, you also have a term limit Democrat named Ben Nevers over in the Florida parishes. Mm-hmm. That seat is almost certainly going to flip to the Republicans, so it's a wash in the Senate. That is okay. State House is going to be interesting because there's a term limited Democrat named Mickey Gillery of Eunice, who his seat is pretty much a Republican pickup. Yeah, I don't see any necessarily any Republican losses. The only possible one they have to worry about in terms of partisan change, there's a seat down in Saint Bernard Parish by a Republican named Ray Garofolo. And Garofalo. Garof- yeah. I- I've heard it pronounced, yeah. you know, kind of like with yeah. Janine. You know, yeah. Anyway, so that's a very high spending race. Business and trial lawyers are spending mm-hmm. a lot of money there. And that one, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility for Democrat to pick that up. Beyond that, there are, I'll just say that there's some legislative clients I'm polling where mm-hmm. some incumbent Republicans running against Republicans are in serious trouble. Yeah. Uh, so you may have a few of those happen, but I don't really see much in terms of partisan shifts. Probably not. Louisiana, ID, you know, the ideology of the state politically isn't changing very much. Yeah. And at the top of the ticket, it's more about personality than the way the state is gone. It's not, it's not been as messy as I thought this governor's race would have been, Yes, but it's not done anything to fire people up to get them to the polls. What about the Bessie races? The Bessie races... You know, it's funny. When I polled those, the undecideds was, were unbelievably bad, like in the 60, 70, 80 People don't range. know what Bessie is. Right. To use an anecdotal anecdotal story, you know, one of the, for our Bessie race, there was a friend I was talking to who basically said, you know, I didn't know who to vote for that one. On that one, I went to the, I saw the lady with the chalkboard on her yard sign, and that's who I voted for. So in other words, that's the level of, I guess, uh, discernment that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting because the 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 Bessie board and the legislature will play a major role in what happens in politics next year from whether or not John White remains right in his position as superintendent state superintendent of education funding for colleges and universities in Louisiana 
is going to be something that we're going to be talking about again during the legislative session. Right. Whether or not Louisiana will have a tax increase to pay for the impending budget deficit that is coming again next year. Yep. And there's even talk about whether the legislature will call themselves into a special session to deal with the economics of what's going on even before the regular. And, you know, I think that's an interesting point, too, when you talk about the level of interest in legislative races. Whoever gets elected— It's been low, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. It's been very badly yeah. low. Yeah. But I think what's going on, too, with regards to—let's pretend you're a candidate for the legislature right now. Given that the legislature that gets elected is going to have to make some very unpopular decisions, mm-hmm. most likely early next year, do you really want the job right now? Or you get to be the lucky guy who sits back for four years, lets everything go to you-know-where— and then you run in 2019 being the white knight when things will undoubtedly be better. So that's, I think, also contributing to the legislative apathy is the feeling that, you know, this isn't a fun job to have right now. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just it's it's a part of what annoys me about politics in general now. It's in so many cases, it's less about service and more about posturing for titles and self-importance. Yeah. And we don't get very much done. People use political offices to position themselves for something else. That's why we're so screwed up. And the public falls for it all the time. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I, you, know, you watch someone flat out lie to the public, but they have their lie is craft. You talk about spin. By the way, I don't do spin. I don't <laughs> hire anybody. I don't public believe relations. it. You know better than that. So, I do. You know. uh, but I, I tell people all the time, tell the truth. You don't have to remember what you said. Right. And the problem is politicians get caught when someone teaches them a platform and it's not really who they are. And the moment they let their guard down and they slip from the script and you get a, a, a brief glimpse into who they are, it's like, Oh, yeah. okay. See, and I think that's been something that has been to some extent, a self-inflicted wound by yeah. the Vitter campaign, mm-hmm. because the thing is, he, it's not just one or two debates he's been skipping. He's been skipping every, almost every single, all one, of them except seems. the one in new Orleans. Right. And then to add insult to injury, the one in Louisiana Tech where nobody was allowed to be in the audience. Yeah. And then there's well, that's right. There was that one, too. Yeah. yeah. And then there's stories about, you know, you have to send him pre-approved questions and all that. Voters, but is that true, though? Well, let me put you this way. When you have the kind of hiding from debates that I've seen, yeah. it doesn't create a very good impression of your candidacy. Sure. And, and the, being a governor of Louisiana is different than being senator. And senator, you're, as senator, you're kind of this remote figure a thousand miles away. Yeah. As governor, people want to see, feel, and touch you because you're a very powerful person. Well, we hadn't had that in six years. Yeah. I mean, Jendel's been kind of, you know, part-time governor for a while. Yeah. And so that's the challenge that Senator Vitter has is that he's away in Washington and not participating and so forth. And it doesn't look good for him. What's the but but here's the let's let's look at the other side of the coin. Yeah. What about the the mindset of most people who say the whole thing, the scandal, the thing that went on with him was eight years ago? Right. What what is that? We we've elected him back to the Senate since that whole thing has happened, and we and he we've done it overwhelmingly. What's what? It doesn't matter as much anymore. But, you know, I think the problem is it's not just the scandal itself. It's when you have, you know, in a very aggressive campaign attacking your opponents, number one. Number but that's two, politics. Number two, hiding from debates. That's a problem. Yes. So when you start throwing those things together yeah. and you have the scandal, 
people are start to, people are already thinking, well, what does he have to hide by not showing for the baits? That's when the ugly reality about the alleged prostitution comes to light. Yeah. Because they're thinking, okay, you know, he's he's not talking about this, he's not talking about this. In other words, in my opinion, if if his campaign people were listening, I would tell him, I said, look, you got to make people give people a reason to vote for David Vitter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you try to do slash and burn the runoff, I think it would be disastrous because John Bell has his Samantha ad. He has the ad of the Marines endorsing him. Really good stuff, in mm-hmm. my opinion, for yeah. a low budget campaign. Yeah. He's not raised very, very much money. Scott Angel's campaign has largely been a collection of speaking engagements by him with that <laughs> with that uh, accent, that yes. Cajun accent, which is very authentic. I've sat here. He sat in that chair and he's he's very engaging as a person yes most people don't know much about him even though you know he's a public service commissioner used to be lieutenant governor the whole thing and then there's jay darden who has been charismatic who has overwhelmed in his last couple of state gosh he's run four or five statewide races in the last seven years he ran for lieutenant governor twice right he ran for uh secretary of state twice right uh, so I guess this will be his fifth statewide election. Yes. In what seven years, maybe? Let's see, uh, fifteen, eleven, seven, 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 six. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. So collecting those races. So and he's overwhelmed in all of them, even in some races where he's run against the state Republican Party. Yes. And in this go around, I just think that Scott Angel has been in his way. Something's not clicking for the Darden campaign. I don't know. You know, and I like the guy. He's yeah. been he's been a friend of mine for twelve years, but I don't know what what's going on. This was a topic that you and I had the last podcast yeah. where you were asking me which campaign had overwhelmed and underwhelmed. And at the time, it was in September, if I mm-hmm. remember right. That's right. And so I was discussing then how Darden was waiting way too long to go on TV. Yeah. What I think really hurt him was that first ad he did. I call it the cardboard cutout ad. Yeah. There was nothing really exciting about it. It wasn't really compelling. His ads have been his the the last two have been really good because they're yeah. more about him. You know, there's something to be said about a, an elected or potential elected looking into a camera, making that connection and telling you what they think. Yes. There is no nuance to that. It's just here I am, here's who I am, here's what I want to do. Vote for me. Right. And I have a saying in this business, not just with political clients, but with commercial clients as well. If it's too cute, you blew your money. Very true. Because I think, too, voters are a little more discerning than politicians give them credits, credit for. Yeah. So if you try to get too cute, voters are like, okay, let me go back to the... Well, they didn't TV. get it. You, right. need them, you need people to that's get true. it. They have, that's true. That's the point I'm making. If you have to explain, you lost. You need people to get it. If, right. I have to, if I have to spend more money getting you to understand the ad I've just spent money on, then I lost. I blew the cash. Right. So it's got to be clear. And, you know, I, I just don't... I don't know that... I would love to know what people's... Have you done a right track, wrong track for Louisiana recently? That was in the Next Star poll. It was, it was pretty negative. Okay. That's where I think the public is. Yes. I think they've lost confidence in state government. Well, I think, too, what's also happened... When you, so you have a situation where you have an incumbent governor who is, well, in name only, so to speak... You also have the economy has kind of softened a bit because 
oil, the price of gas has been cut in half, mm-hmm. and you have the deficit where the legislature had to do some accounting gimmicks to get the budget <laughs> balanced. That's cute, accounting gimmicks. And so all of those together, I think, don't create confidence in state government right now. Yeah. And also, too, the, the governor's campaigns, to the outside eye, there's not really a lot of difference, but perceived difference between the two. I mean, it's not like people are going to read 60-point policy, you know, papers. No, no. They're going to go by what they hear on TV and perhaps a snippet or two in the debate that the newspapers mentioned. Listen, when Governor Jindal ran as congressman against Kathleen Blanco, he had all of the momentum of being this smart whiz kid right. who was going to take Louisiana into the tech age as, as a you know, almost millennial <laughs> uh, yes. with the way he went about doing things. And Kathleen beat him to death on hard work yep. and guile <laughs> yeah. and basically on the performance in that last debate. And that, that, that sympathy question right. was one he could not bounce back from. Four years later, Bobby Jindal runs against a field of people with not a lot of charisma. He ends up uh, being in a runoff with Walter Boisseau. Actually, no, Actually, he, he wasn't. He, he, he won it. Walter yes. Boisseau was number two to him. Right. And that was a field that had, uh, what's his name, John George's, George's in it. Yeah, Foster Campbell and George's. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting race. Didn't John Kennedy run for governor in that race, too? He may have, but I think he, it's one of those things where it was like a half get in, half get out kind of thing. Because uh, I know in, uh, in 08, he was a candidate for Senate against yes. Mary Landrieu where he, he switched to become a Republican. So the, the, I'm going the long way of saying we haven't had a governor's race in Louisiana in a while that's been super inspiring. Right. And I think that's a problem here. I thought it, this would have been different. People don't care. I, think, I, don't think, I don't think people are fired up. And it hurts everybody under that ticket, right. under the top of the ticket. So let's go with it. So we've talked about all of the race, races. Let's circle back to turnout. What do you think the turnout's going to be Saturday? About 40%. Okay. What surprises do you think? If, if there are surprises, what will those surprises be? Like on statewide, legislative? Period. I think it's going to be the extent to which there's democratic cohesion. Let me give you, a, let me give you an alternate world kind of scenario. Okay. Let's pretend for a second that the Democrats, having been out of state government, rather as, which is the governor's office for mm-hmm. eight years— are lean and hungry, and they very much want to get back. And let's say that they manage to do a really good job of communicating to their voters at the last minute, you know, vote the Democratic ticket up and up and down the ballot. In that scenario, you could have, you know, a very strong John Bell Edwards showing. You could have, you know, very strong Kip Holden showing. You could have Chris Tyson doing better than expected. You could have a Democrat being a Buddy Caldwell's opponent and Caldwell being forced into runoff. You could have Strain and Donilon be... Forced. We forgot those when we yes. were going down the line, but I don't think either one of those guys are in trouble. They're not in trouble, but one of the things that could happen, because I saw this happen in November 1991, if you have a straight ticket voting, it doesn't matter who the other candidate is, they're going to get overwhelmed by the stampede, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That was how Fox McKithen almost got upset by an unknown Democrat named Doug Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Besides, of course, the clever Fox in the Hen House ads, right. you had a Democratic wave where every Democrat except for Schmidt got over a million votes that night. And where I'm going with this is that in that situation, you have what I call a blind partisanship, where voters are just going to go look for the D and go, 
and that's how they vote, rather than intelligently evaluating each candidate. If the turnout among Democrats, yes, true Democrats, voter Democrats, not just in party affiliation only, if they turn out, yes, that's that's an alternate scenario I could I could picture. Although, like I said, the fact that it wasn't Democratic turnout wasn't that impressive in early voting, mm-hmm. and you're talking about bad weather this weekend. You know, you got your usual slew of football games and so forth. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a high wattage election. But here's the interesting alternate scenario, too. You always hear the axiom about, you know, bad weather, hurting turnout. You know, Republicans are more likely to vote than Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. I have a slightly different take. That is, rural Democrats tend to vote more than urban Republicans. So let's pretend for a second that during this rainy weather, you have more rural Democrats uh, of both colors voting and Republicans are not as enthused. That could affect things as well. Even if you have low overall turnout, what I'm saying is there'd be a higher relative level of enthusiasm mm-hmm. amongst more democratically aligned voters. I just, the, the whole thing is intriguing. And the most amazing thing, and I, and I kind of alluded to it a little earlier, Louisiana is facing major challenges in 2016. Yes. The fact that the very offices that will have the most impact, the biggest impact on whether those challenges are met and dealt with or worsened, they're going to be on the ballot Saturday. Right. And yet 20 to 30, and you said in some polling, half the voting populace is undecided about what they want to do. Right. That should be scary to people. Yeah, because you have a flip the coin aspect of how some of those races could go. Right. I just, I don't like know. The, like the chalkboard example I was giving you about one of the Bessie races. Yeah. Because also, too, the paper has not really done a, a lot of coverage of these races, which to me, they should. I remember in the old days, they used to have those candidate guides. It was like a little tabloid. They yeah. Would, yeah. They would do a really good job of going into every race. But now <clears throat> it's kind of like you'll get your little two columns in the Metro State section mm-hmm. and that's it. And they're not saying anything really exciting. Uh, the constitutional amendments that are on the ballot, mm-hmm. this, uh, there are four of them yes. on, on the ballot this weekend. Anything surprising about that? They all probably pass. Probably so. You know, the irony is this is actually very light for an amendment election. Yeah. But even so, I think voters are probably going to groan at the thought of having to read those things. <laughs> well, on the show last week, I actually read through <laughs> read an them amendment? and I kind of gave them the crib notes on what the amendments mean right so because you're right people don't want to have to read that stuff and they just go in and kind of pick the right whatever which but, is dangerous this is why we've ended up with so much crap in yes, and state in, law inconsistency yeah stuff. but you know one thing i do want to give credit to the secretary of state is if you go online and print out the sample ballot they do have the option where you can see the amendment text mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there's nothing more cruel than having to read that when you're voting and you're potentially up against the voting limit? Yeah. I'll tell people again, and I I referenced it in last week's show, you can go to the Public Affairs Research Council's website, and they do a breakdown of what the amendments are and what they mean and what your vote for or against the amendment would mean. So, You also, at the local level, at least East Baton Rouge Parish, there's a library tax renewal. Right. You have three school taxes which are renewals. So there's a little bit more on the ballot in addition to those four amendments. It's going to be something. So let's try to maybe do a recap next week, depending on what happens, to, to go over it. You know, who's in the runoff for governor. Sure. Because I think neither one of us can give 
like we wouldn't bet our houses on it, but it's pretty pretty close to a sure thing now that it's going to be Vitter and John Bell Edwards. But I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: with the numbers, the numbers I've seen and the way that they've been developing mm-hmm. in recent days, I still think that's a fairly safe assumption. You know, the only question to me is just the exact percentages that yeah. the the major players get. It is going to be something else Saturday night. I think more people will be paying attention to what Southern does in Texas <laughs> and what LSU does on homecoming than probably these races. Yes. And that's a shame. That's a shame. But I'll be voting on Saturday because, you know, it's what I do. And fortunately, Louisiana is not a ride-in state, or you might have Fournette make it into the <laughs> runoff for governor, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't bet against him, would you? No. <laughs> So if there's any candidate any, in any 64 parishes with the last name of Fournette, you know, they, they may have a good they're, chance they're of gonna winning. Be in a, they're going to have a good shot. How can people contact you, learn more about your information? You really are good at what you do. Even though you took that shot at me, I'll let you slide. Public relations. <laughs> you cleaned it up. Thank you. I Spin did. doctor. Damage Come control. On. That's what I do. That's I do, what I do. I do and people for- do pay me for it. And they pay you for it, too. And I've paid you for it. You know why? Because you're good at what you do and you're an honest guy. Well, thank you very much. I I don't mind. The way I look at it is this. You, you pay me to tell you that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Mm-hmm. If you want 2 plus 2 equals 5, with all due respect, I don't want your business. You know what? I feel the same way, and I will tell you this. We were going to kind of wrap, but I'll say this to you because I had this conversation earlier today. Mm-hmm. When polling is done, I want up or down polling. Yes. What I find to be the case now are these weighted polls where someone asks leading questions yes. to get the outcome that they want so that they can use those outcomes in a press release yep. to make the public believe that more people are with them than they think. And that caught Eric Cantor yes. last year because the polling, there's nothing wrong with polling. It's the way it's you do it yes. can be fraudulent. Well, and also, too, I think that Vern Kennedy, you know, he's been a respected name in polling. He got himself caught up in the whole imbroglio over the Angel numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was something unfortunate to happen to him because the thing is, once you lose control over poll releases, it rebounds on you. That's right. It's unfair, but that's, that's just the right. way it is. You cannot, how can you really create a winning strategy if you are basing it upon fraudulent or inaccurate information? Yeah. That, to me, is a problem. And I see that happening more and more and more where charlatans are in the bit. Like, I yeah. don't do to be, you know, I, in consulting that I've done with people to help with messaging, I generally like to cut through BS. People hire me right. for my BS meter. Now, we could do all the creative work, but my deal is no BS. Elections are about winning. Right. And what's happened so much, man, since... The 2000 election, actually going into 1997, 1998, at the peak of the Clinton scandal, when partisanship, which has always existed, it go, right. I mean, it, it goes back 200 years. But in that period, in the beginning of the technology age and the, the, the cable news boom, we created a monster in this country that has cannibalized a lot of what we do, what you and I do, and charlatans come along and they say, we've got all of this data that proves one thing, and they look like what you do. Right. But they're not within a million miles of what you do. And that's a problem for me. Yes. And I think we got to fix that. We actually need tacticians who will go in and do the job versus those who just want to get elected so they can get to the next job. To some extent, 
I, I look at it this way. The media does need to play the role of watchdog. Yep. As in, if a poll gets released, yep. to me, it's incumbent upon the media to say if this is a credible organization releasing the poll. And if it's not credible, they should not give it the light of day. I agree. I and agree. If it is credible, of course, and also, too, I think the media needs to commission more independent polls. Mm-hmm. That's something that you remember in the old days, they used to do that all the time. Right. And maybe once or twice this election season, you've had true independent polls. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with polling. Right. But I sometimes when I get these calls at the house, and I joked about calling during dinner, but actually, I don't mind them. But when I get them, I always want to, because I've gotten a lot of them where the questions are leading. Right. And I just, and it happens more often than not. And I had one young lady call me in a polling, and I was on my cell phone. I was sitting outside. I generally wouldn't like that, but she was so polite. Yeah. And I went through it, and all of her questions were kind of down the line. Hmm. Yes or no. She didn't ask any leading questions. Hmm. And I complimented her at the end. Right. Not telling her that, you know, I'm in the circle of right. doing that, but that's what, that's a, that's going to be a good poll. Because whether it tells you something you want to hear or something you don't want to hear, either way, it told you the truth. Right. And that's what you have. And all these millions being spent now, it's amazing. You know, we got to get some of these guys out of the business. Well, that ain't going to happen. I don't even know why I said it. <laughs> now, tell people how they can contact you. So I have a, I have a Facebook page, James C. Enterprises. My Twitter handle is at winwithjmc. And winwithjmc.com is my website. And so I have continually updated content, uh, nonpartisan, by the way. I, steer, I clearly stick to data. Mm-hmm. And... That's, that's my presence in the world. And, of course, I'm one of those who the politicians increasingly are starting to know who I am, which yep. can be a good and a bad thing, but well, that's I just do my job. You're legitimate. Uh, the, he's a brilliant man. He is honest. Uh, and I can tell you I've used the services of JMC because I want the truth. And you can't build a winning strategy when the data's wrong. Correct. All you're doing is stealing from people, and I just don't abide that. It, it's a misuse of client money, and it makes me mad when I think that a client might be getting bad advice. Let's do a show in the future on that subject matter. I'm let's <laughs> Let's talk about that, because sure. I think it's, it's a bigger issue than people know. It is. And here's, let, me, let me give you this one little, little bug about why you should care about it, for those of you who are listening, because many of you, are writing checks to campaigns and organizations that are using your money in ways that you probably wouldn't approve. And you're thinking, I'm backing a candidate who's got a winning strategy, and the numbers may say you should be over here spending time and marketing and talking, but you're over there. And when the election happens and you see this big Bobby Simpson, Kip Holden, mm-hmm. remember that election? It was interesting. Which, which one? There was the 2000 version and the 2004 the, the, no, version? No, the 2004 version. Right, okay. Where Bobby went into that thing thinking he was going to win, and lo and behold, the southeastern part of the parish had abandoned him. Yep. Well, what had happened was that he mistakenly thought you were going to have a party-line vote, and two things happened. Number one, East Baton Rouge Parish only gave George W. Bush 54% yeah, of the vote, so that's yeah. not a lot of play, yeah. uh, uh, margin to play with. Number two, you had a lot of independent-minded people who thought that Mayor Simpson was an embarrassment, yeah. and they were willing to vote Republican up and down the ballot, yeah. except for the mayor's race. And then there was BR next as well. Right. Remember that? <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> John Kuvion. Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure.
Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. I promise no rant at the end of the show. But we will talk about the outcome of the elections that will take place this weekend. Our thoughts on that. It should be interesting. Get out and vote if you haven't voted. It is your obligation as a citizen. Go out, cast your vote. If you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. What the hell? People are going to complain anyway. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. The Clay Young Show on podcast. 225.com on iTunes, free there on iTunes, or on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. It's free there too. Catch you next time here on Podcast 225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.